From Duck Creek Technologies, it's Conversations on the Creek, the podcast series where we interview thought leaders about how the latest insure tech is transforming the PNC insurance industry. Whether you work in underwriting, sales and marketing, claims, or an insurer's IT department, in each episode, we uncover the insights you need to create the new standard of insurance. I'm Rob Savitsky from the Duck Creek Product Marketing Team. In today's episode, we're so thrilled to be joined by Pete Tessier, Interim CEO at BSI Insurance and the host and the producer of the Insurance Podcast. Today, Pete is here to tell us, uh, as the first broker ever to come on our show, his perspective about what insurance carriers should be thinking about as they approach their distribution channel. Pete, it is a real pleasure to have you on the show. How are you doing today? I'm great, Rob. Thanks so much for having me. It's uh, fun to be a guest instead of a host, so it's, it's great to talk to someone else. Now I really won't shut up. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I'm excited to pick your brain. And for our listeners, I actually reached out to Pete a few weeks ago for advice and mentorship about this show, about me as a host. Uh, I really am a huge fan of the insurance podcast. I don't know if, if folks have listened to that. I highly recommend you check it out. But uh, yeah, I know we had a good conversation just uh, talking about podcasting. And I, I thought that Hey, it made sense to bring Pete on to, to share his perspective as a broker as well. So, um, yeah, let's uh, let's let's dive in. I guess maybe yeah, yeah just for, for for starters, yeah. Could you maybe tell everyone about what you do? Are you a you know a broker, uh, you know, see, you know, interim CEO by day and a podcast host moonlighting at night, or are you moonlighting yeah. you know as a broker at night and a podcast host during the day? Because it sounds like you you've got your hands in a lot of, a lot of different areas. Well, to, to quote Dr. Evil, the story of my life is quite inconsequential, really. Um, that dates me there. I'm making <laughs> Austin Powers jokes. Uh, so I, I've, I've been a broker for 20 years. I joined the insurance industry in 2002, uh, got involved in a family brokerage and eventually sort of took ownership of it with uh, my brother-in-law, which we ended up selling in 2017. So I, I've been a PNC broker doing it all. Um, you know, all parts of it for, for essentially for 15 years there. And then we, uh, we sold our business and I sort of sat back and kind of took a summer off and I got into consulting. So I did a little bit of that. And a friend of mine, who's a broadcaster just said, you know, you should do a podcast about insurance. I looked at him sideways and I said, insurance people don't even like insurance. He goes, this yeah. is Kurt Wyatt. You're no, this is oh. not Kurt Wyatt. I'll get to him in a second. All He's right. All right. I'm jumping ahead of things. <laughs> yeah. The co-host. Um, so he just said, do it. And we, we, I started recording in the spring of 2018 and just sort of went into the old digital Rolodex, the contacts on your phone, who you knew in the industry and it started emailing some friends, calling them up and saying, Hey, I'm going to start this project. Would you like to be a guest? And talked a few maybe gullible friends into it. And the next thing you know, um, you're getting requests for people to come on your show and, and talk about insurance. And, and really the podcast is just for people in insurance, whether you're a broker, an agent, whether you work for an insurance carrier, a claims company, whatever, insure tech, we talk about it all. We focus on PNC and we go from there. And then, um, so because of that, next thing you know, I started moderating CEO panels and people just like the way I spoke, I guess. So there's you know much much to my wife's dis disbelief, and then lo and behold, I I I sort of came out of the woodwork because I was working for myself. I was doing some consulting work for a, a BMS company in Canada, and I I sort of got a little tired of working kind of remotely, and I came back and joined a a, a large brokerage here, 
And as the VP of sales and marketing, and as you said, I'm interim CEO right now because our CEO left for a really interesting opportunity. And so I'm sort of taking the reins until someone decides I shouldn't or, I, or they like me doing it enough and, uh, and continuing to podcast. We've been in a bit of a summer break, we have a couple shows to, to release, but we're just sort of taking a little pause and then going to get back into the recording kind of late August and, and go from there and, you know, just working on some other projects. That's sort of what I've done. So um, how this guy kind of, you talked about Kurt and how Kurt came involved was he was the one who said, you know, we should, you should go down to this conference in Vegas called InsureTech Connect. And I was like, okay, I kind of looked it up. I knew about it, but I hadn't really, didn't know a ton about it. And he's like, let's go. So we just booked some tickets. They were kind enough to give us media passes. And uh, we showed up and started interviewing anyone we could get our hands on. It was hilarious. And we came back and Kurt's like, you know, you're starting this new job. And Kurt and I have known each other for years. We were on the on our provincial association together and on our national association together. Um, and he's like, you want some help? And I was like, yeah, I need a co-host. So he just got, kind of just got involved. I, ironically, when we sold our brokerage, Kurt owned one as well, much bigger. And without either of us knowing, we both sold within two months of each other that we didn't, neither of us knew the other was going to be for sale. It's kind of an interesting story. So we sort of been semi-retired together and now we're involved in another project and that's oh, the wow. podcast. No, that's, that's awesome. Quite the story, how you've, yeah. uh, you know, moved back and forth between that, but, uh, yeah, yeah. Great show. And it was awesome to see, uh, both Duck Creek and Adiona, one of our customers yeah. on the show a couple months ago, and now, uh, bringing it full circle to having you, having you on our program here today. So, um, yeah, let's uh, let's dive into the the heart of the content for today. So, yeah, I mean to cue things up, uh, uh, you know, Pete. I think over the years people have talked about, hey, technology is changing. It's coming to the insurance industry. It's going to disintermediate brokers and agents. Of course, here we are, 2022. That clearly has not happened. Uh, you know, we see the channel is is strong and, and, and prolific as, as ever, certainly evolving. And so, uh, I'm curious though, what's what's your take on all of this? Uh, you know, do you feel that technology is uh, is a threat of disinterrupting your brokerage? No, <laughs> that's the short <laughs> answer. No, I don't. But I, I don't. Here's this is what I think is misunderstood about technology. And if you and Rob, if you asked me this two weeks from now or two weeks ago, I might have a different opinion because it kind of changes with how the winds blow in insurance. But here's the one actually not one, several core aspects of insurance that I think everyone has to remember about it. I have yet to meet anyone myself or have met anyone in insurance who has met a person who has woke up and said, this is the day I feel like buying insurance. It's not a product you think about. The people who make the product don't want you to use it. The intermediaries who sell the product would prefer that you didn't use it. And when the people who buy the product use it, something's bad's happened. So it's not a convenient set of circumstances to talk about it, to think about it, or to act on it because you act on it out of necessity, not out of desire. And what we experience with electronic commerce now and different aspects are usually things based on desire. And that's where insurance probably has a niche advantage over other products. You buy it because something's triggered you to buy it. You're either unhappy with what you have, you didn't like the claims experience, or you're looking to save money. 
Yep. It's not complex that way. Those are the drivers. So technology will probably arrive at a point that changes that. And the buying ecosystem of the consumer will probably change in time too. But what's not going to change is people thinking about insurance. They don't think about it. I was at a conference in early June. I was speaking at it and I was talking about digital self-service in the insurance sector. Um, put on, it was the digital, digital marketing for financial services conference in Toronto. And I asked all these marketers around there about insurance. Not one of them could name who their insurance carrier was. Not one of them could tell me the premium on their car or their home. And at that point, I was like, what do you need self-service for? You don't even know what you're doing. You right. can't even tell me something about your insurance. So I don't think technology is going to upend the distribution side of it. It's going to change it. It's going to make the experience different and prove it somehow. It's going to drive change in other ways, but it's not going to remove the, the traditional um, agent broker model on mass. Not at all. Sure. Well, I guess, how would you say, how, how has your model evolved as technology has come out? How has it shifted? What have you done to stay relevant and valuable as an agent? So as, as, as an agent broker, I think one of the things you have to look at is TAMP, total accessible market. What's your geography and where do you try to access the market? And what makes up your market segment of who your products match? We do a really poor job in traditional sense as broker, brokers and agents of actually figuring out what our target consumer is and do our products match them. We tend to just try and find anyone and make sure they fit a product. That's the way insurance works, right? You, you have all these products that you don't actually, you can build, but they're hard. They're, they're completely governed by conditions and variables that you have no control over. Um, if you live in this area, you can't get this product. But if you live over here, you can get this product. Think flood, for example maybe uh, windstorm, hurricane coverage, for example. Th those are things that, that are, are very conditional on what's eligible. And if you can get it, it usually costs a lot of money. So what do you, how, do you, how do you incorporate that into technology? What we do with technology is we try to find ways that empower our staff to have human connections. And when this, we're in a transformative stage right now. We are not a massively advanced um, broker based on technology because our total accessible market is very different than say um, someone in a large city such as Minneapolis or New York. We are near a medium-sized city and then spread out in smaller townships and stuff across a large swath of area. So your population density has a lot of um, sort of has a lot of influence on what you're willing to spend on technology and how likely or how much uptick you have on the technology with your customer base. So, you know, technology is a bit like time. You can't save time, but you can spend time. So you want to spend it efficiently. So we're very cautious about that. We're trying to find ways that as we adopt technology, how does it align with our total accessible market? And what do we have to do to grow our total accessible market with if we adopt more technology, they sort of it's, it's a slow process, and we don't have a lot of consumers um, clamoring for certain services that are that are basically a digital transaction. Um, we have digital products online, 
We don't derive a lot of revenue from them, but they're there because we think the client segment is going to change and they're going to gradually build more. But you have to understand the demographics of your total accessible market. And if your demographics say they'd rather deal in with humans, then you're probably going to have a lot more human-powered stuff. So our technology vision is based around the idea of how do we do better things that empower humans to do human things and let technology take over the repetitive processes and tasks that are the mundane parts that can be automated to maybe reduce errors, reduce problems within the operations of the agency and brokerage. That's sort of the vision of technology. And I think that's where the insurance sector at large is probably going to find... um, a very nice uh, equilibrium of balance between technology and the human side of things. Right. Right. Yeah. And what, what you say echoes a lot of things of what we've heard on the show from different solution providers who have come on, take, you know, gradient and I or SafeKeep, and they have some kind of AI or ML and you know, what we're really finding in the, the experiences is it's freeing your adjusters up to do the higher level tasks. Yeah. It's not removing the human element. It's, it's, it's giving them that time yeah. back to focus on the, what matters. The human element is something that's really overlooked in that we've known for 20 years that we were about to have a ticking time bomb, or we've known this ticking time bomb has been going along for 20 years on demographics about the job marketplaces. I'm a Gen Xer, so we know what's coming. We've known for a while that there isn't as many people. They're not coming out and following the same career paths that we have and where their interest lies are not in traditional um, industries like insurance that have been pillars of the financial system. So we have less people coming in. We need technology to help us because people don't want to sign up for a job that's mundane and boring. Those are entry-level jobs. And right now in the job market, you can get a lot more than entry-level jobs out there even if you only have entry-level skills because employers are so so challenged. So you can train people. Like, I just want someone with a brain. I can train you to be an insurance agent or broker. I just need you to have a brain, (laughs) have some personality and stuff. And then we can get that. We can solve those problems. So we need technology that gets us, that supports people, not technology that replaces people. It's right. sort of a, it's, it's a different way of looking at it. And I think that's where I, I see the future of insure tech and other technologies that happen, um, particularly even on, on the enterprise software system with Duck Creek. You know, when, when we did the podcast with Shreyas and, and Paul, you know, the, the technology wasn't replacing anyone. It was just making it way simpler to do things. And that's the important part in this. Let's not replace people. Let's get them doing the right things. And, and that's where I think technology and insurance is going to be really exciting soon. People are going to have a way bigger opportunities to do far more interesting things. Absolutely. Let's make, let's make people better, faster, more yes. efficient. So exactly. when, when you, when you look at the, the technology carrier technology, uh, and you know, you as an agent, how, how would you characterize your experience with producer portals in making it easier for you to do business with? What is, what does good look like today or what, what should it well, look like? I think producer portals and stuff have have a challenge because some companies are very regionally located, you know, and concentrated in terms of where the market is. Some are national carriers. Some some have a huge expense, so they have, thus they have different resources. Portals serve a small purpose, um, but they serve a purpose because no one else is bothered to fill in the gaps of what they do. So we don't have data exchange. We don't have unified um, 
uh, what's the, the information? Well, the unified data exchange protocols and stuff. No one gets along. Some carriers are behind each other. Some are way more advanced. So you can't get a unified system to get everyone to grow at the same pace. So portals come out of that. It's easier to build on your own system than to build than to change your system to be aligned with everyone else's who you're actually competing against. So right. portals, like like it or not, they have a role. Um, and I think one of the things that we get caught up on as brokers and agents is we try to carry, we want to, we're sales driven. So we want to get as much on the books, as many customers. We, wanna, we never want to say no to someone because we think we can find a, a solution for them. And so portals sort of help that, but they make it an inefficient way to go. I mean, I, I don't fundamentally have a problem with portals because I, 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 I can contextualize why they exist. I understand how they arrived at. But if we could go back in time, I think, I think most carriers, other than a few, would say, yeah, we probably should have gone this direction because we're, we're eventually going to end up over there too. And it would have saved us several hundred million dollars times many. <laughs> so it, it's sort right. of a, a funny thing. Like portals are needed, but they're needed because they're they're uh, they're an inefficient solution to a bigger inefficiency. Okay. Okay. Uh, interesting perspective. Uh, I guess what what would you say is that that biggest inefficient inefficiency or sort of source of friction that you think can well, be streamlined between between air agent and carrier? Well, it's it's time, right? It's getting in, getting an accurate quote. And then binding the, the policy and making sure that the person who's sitting there, and let's just talk home insurance, the person who's sitting in front of you or on the phone or even dealing online with you is not waiting around to get their insurance. They're conditioned to a much faster gratification timeline in so many other sectors. I've bought cars faster than I purchased insurance. And I hate buying cars. <laughs> it's my least favorite thing to do, but it's easier simply because the process are involved. So, you know, with the biggest inefficiency is that we, the, the customer has to answer a whole bunch of questions about something they, they don't want to think about or know they should have thought about. So I, I, I've said this a lot on our podcast and I say, I've said it when I've been speaking at, at, at conferences and stuff. Someone comes in with a home and let's say they're a younger couple and they've just bought their first home. They're thinking about what the next 20 years in this house looks like, where the kids are going to play, the backyard, how, where the dog's going to fit, the family dinners they're going to have, and what life looks like. They're, they're looking at hopes and dreams. We're asking them to consider plumbing, the age of the roof, what kind of electrical they have. Do they have a sump pump? And up until recently in the real estate market, they haven't even had time to get an inspection on a house, let alone know that stuff. And then we bludgeon them with that. And we don't even ask them about, well, you know, and they thought, well, the kitchen's so beautiful. I'll never have to renovate. It's got granite countertops and new, and new, and new um, appliances. And we don't even ask them about that because we can factor that stuff in. But so we've changed, we've created a system that doesn't address what the consumer's thinking about. It's addressing what the insurance companies are thinking about for risk management. And so that's the biggest inefficiency because more often than not, we're sending them away saying, well, we can't bind you anything because we don't have all the details. And then as you go back to when I first started, no one thinks about insurance, certainly not real estate agents. 
and they'll come back and they'll give you some, the amount of times I found things out where real, where someone's come back and said, well, the realtor found this out for me. Here's the details. Two years later, we review some things and I'm like, oh yeah, we discovered this. We discovered that realtor didn't care because they're on to the next person. And we know what the real estate cycle is like, right? So I'm throwing realtors under the bus here. So all the realtors out there, you can come after me, but you don't care because you won't see those people for five years minimum, unless they're house flippers. And if they're house flippers, you probably already know that in advance. So if you know you're not going to see someone for five years, why do you care about giving them the truth? So <laughs> there you go. Every real estate association in, in North America now is going to come after Pete Tessier for saying that. But that's kind of built on experience. Is it 100% right? No. But that's the problem. It's inefficient. So we go into these portals. Right. We try to solve the problems. And the portals are there to be fast. But when you don't have everything, you just hit roadblocks and then the experience goes down the toilet. Right, right. Sounds like a lot of a lot of data prefill, a lot of oh, yeah. work, reduce that friction yeah. to the customer and giving it Absolutely. to you up front is, is the way to go. Yeah. You know, I honestly, as I say to a lot of clients, particularly large scale commercial ones, you shouldn't do anything without talking to us first. It sounds counterintuitive. Talk to us. We can at least give you a risk analysis of what you're about to embark on. And it's the same person buying a house. Well, everyone says, go get pre-qualified, go get, go get pre-qualified for your mortgage, get a realtor, know what you have for down payment and all these different financial variables. No one ever teaches anyone about basic risk assessment when it comes to a home. And you don't always need an inspection, but you should be able to know, go through a place and take down five to 10 important details that will save you a whole hell lot of headaches later. Right. Right. Absolutely. Cool. Well, as we, we're getting closer to, to wrapping up here today, Pete, uh, just wanted to, to toss a couple more questions your way and, sure. uh, you know, flip back to your podcasts. Obviously you've had a ton of guests on the shows on the show over the years. And so, uh, yeah, whether it's recent or the last year or two, What's one recent trend or technology or learning from that program that you think carriers should pay attention to and think about incorporating into their plans moving forward? Um, I think it's going to be um, data harvesting out of um, agency management systems, broker management systems. Companies like Trueflow Technology, I think um, there's another one called Quandary that I think is very cool. Um, be Atomic and Neon is doing some really neat things. And there's a few others out there. I'm probably missing some great ones. And I no offense saying one. These are the ones that come off the top of my head. Um, these are the ones that are going into your, your CRM, even though being broker management systems, agency management systems aren't true CRMs, but let's just call them that for the sake of what it is. They're going in there and they're helping you pull out data so you can market and service your clients better. I think those are the trends that are going to keep um, agents and brokers viable for the future. They're going to give them opportunities that they've never had before. And they're going to help with customer retention and they're going to help them identify risks. One trend in the insurance sector that I think isn't really getting talked about enough is insurance companies have done a really good job of identifying who's a profitable client. And they keep those ones very well. They price them right. They manage them well whether it be through a broker or an agent, whether it be by direct or whatever it is, they do a really good job of that. Well, 
brokers and agents need to be able to figure out, well, who are the Bs? How do we get them to As? Who are the Cs? How do we get them to Bs? And then how do we identify those and how do we market them and serve them appropriately? Because insurance is a business based around profitability of your client base with each company. And when you do it well, it's very profitable for everyone. And insurance companies like you, you like you, your employees like you, you have more money. We're not in this to trade dollars or in this to make money. And what happens is, is that we also have a displacement of other risks. And I think that's the part that's going to be a very interesting is, is, like I said, you get a lot of really good care for your clients. The ones who are profitable don't cause a lot of losses. And what we can do is we can help find solutions for those B's and C's who are often getting shoved out the door whether we want to or not. And I think that's the biggest trend that we have to identify now is how do we learn who our B's and C's are? Not because they're, you know, A clients have always been, oh, well, they have a, you know, they have a million dollar home, a cottage, maybe some toys, a boat, C do that kind of thing. Oh, they got lots of money. And we think A, but A's are ones who don't trouble you. A's are the ones who love you and you never hear from them. We had a joke in our uh, joke. We're going to give out some um, awards and we wanted to give out like awards to clients, clients we don't know. Like we've had them for 20 years and we still don't know who they are because they never had a claim (laughs) because they're the best ones. And I think that's what we want to find out. How do we turn these other clients who are the ones that are right to get into that B and A status and how do we identify them and how do we help them along? So they be insurance becomes a better experience for them too. That's a right. big answer. I was all right. over the place there, but that's yeah, no, really, I, just, I think the trends and company and there's tech that's going to help us do that. And I think we're just starting to get past the infancy of it. And we're going to get into sort of a, the teenage years of this. And I think it's going to get really exciting. Right. I guess when, when you say that is part of it more or part of it, certain information sharing you're hoping to get from the carrier side with that well, identification. And as the it, other flip side it, of it, the you communicating outward on yeah. more, more, I more mean, frequently. Like, think about this in the in the agency management systems. There's thousands of data points. There's like just thousands of them per customer. We need to access those and find out how many clients do we have who have a roof that's 15 years or older. In my part of the world, we get some pretty nasty hailstorms. We have very um, very extreme weather. Uh, temperatures from winter to summer, we go from minus 30 to plus 30, sorry, Celsius. So minus 30 to 90 degrees Fahrenheit. And that takes its toll. So how many, how many clients do you have who have a roof that's 15 years old or who have experienced at least one hailstorm? What if we could get the hail maps of where hailstorms would happen from, from companies and, and data and data things to say, well, actually, whether or not we've had claims, we still have had four hailstorms go through this area and we have this many clients in that area. They, they probably need to be marketed about roof maintenance and, and stuff like that. We probably need to talk to them about some of the deductible options on roofs and, and such because we know they've experienced this. Having that kind of data, that changes the customer experience and that can help us have customers think about insurance a little more often when they're doing home repairs and maintenance. You know, most homeowners, they tend to have a budget. Well, we're going to work on this. This is the year we're going to paint the house. This is the year we're going to build a new deck. How about this is the year we do insurance maintenance things, little things that may cost us, you know, $10,000 or less that can help us long-term to make sure that, you know, we don't have as many claims or have any claims. Those are the ways we're going to find stuff, but that data needs to be shared from carriers 
and it needs to be pulled out of the agency and broker management systems. And it's there. We just have to find a way to work to get it out and let the brokers who have the relationships with the clients tell that story, not the carriers. Right. Well, we'll have to, we'll have to keep working on the predict and prevent and making yeah. sure that, uh, you know, we continue to, uh, to get the relationships. Uh, right. And it's analytics, right? Yeah. Predictive, descriptive, and prescriptive, right? It's the three things. And we just got to get those things in the hands of the people who can work with clients. Right on, right on. Well, Pete, it's been great having you on the program today. Anything else you'd like to add before we wrap it up here? Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm an opinionated oaf, so I get I try to keep my opinions to myself on my on our show. But I, it's super fun connecting with fellow podcasters and just great companies like Duck Creek. Uh, I, I've I, I know some of the companies and projects you guys are working on. There's some great ones uh, very close to me here up in Canada. And it's exciting to see what Duck Creek's doing, sort of the proactive approach, sort of plug for you guys. But also, you know, the people who I've talked to really speak well of Duck Creek as a partner. It's quite interesting because I think as, as, a, as a, you could do a lot worse than someone who's willing to be uh, super progressive and open as Duck Creek. And, and I think that's a super fun thing. And I'm glad you guys are doing a podcast. I love the title. I've got the most <laughs> boring title in all insurance podcasting, but um, you know, conversations on the Creek. It's great. At least oh. it's not called duck hunting. Oh yeah. Well, well, we, we've had a lot of duck jokes on the show before, but, yeah. uh, but no, we, yeah. Thank you. Appreciate, appreciate the kind words, Pete. And uh, yeah, it's been great having you on the show as well. Well, thanks so much, Rob. I appreciate coming on. Thank you all for tuning in today. To learn more about BSI Insurance, go to bsimb.com. To listen to Pete's show, the insurance podcast with Pete Tesse and Kurt Wyatt, and go to theinsurancepodcast.com. Finally, if you enjoyed our podcast, be sure to check out all of our other episodes and subscribe to Conversations on the Creek on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and duckreet.com. We'll see you in the next episode.